In John chapter 14, in verse 6, Jesus introduces himself, in a sense. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. As you think about Jesus as the Lamb of God, that, that sacrificial Lamb, and we'll emphasize that in our lesson tonight as we think about this better sacrifice. But Jesus truly is described in many different ways in the Scripture. But He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way that you and I can have uh, salvation. Uh, and truly, when we think about Jesus as a, a better sacrifice, the truth of the matter is He is the only sacrifice that we have that basically takes away our sins. As was just noted, as you begin to, to look at our primary text of Hebrews chapter 10, and you look at previous passages, and you've looked at these throughout the series, the preeminence of Christ is emphasized. Preeminence uh, over the angels, uh, preeminence uh, over Moses and the law of Moses, preeminence over animal sacrifices, uh, preeminence over Aaron and the uh, Levites of priesthood, uh, preeminence over the, the remembrance of sins. And we'll talk about that tonight as we talk particularly about uh, the Day of uh, Atonement. So in chapter 7, you have an emphasis on a better hope. In chapter 8, uh, a better covenant. I'm still in Hebrews. Uh, chapter 9, a better sanctuary. And now in chapter 10, uh, a better uh, sacrifice. The Bible makes it very plain that our God is a holy, righteous God. And because of that, He demands punishment for sin. Jesus came into this earth, according to John chapter 6, beginning with verse 38 and following, to do the will of the Father. And obviously a part of that will that He came to do uh, is seen in giving His life's blood as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross of Calvary. That was His primary purpose. The purpose that God had in mind and planned even before uh, the creation. You remember that Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane it's just actually a few hours before His eventual crucifixion. And in Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 37, 38 and following, we find that Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. And He was talking about the, the agony. He was talking about the suffering that He would have to endure and the eventual crucifixion on the cross of Calvary. Likely Jesus was preparing Himself. We realize that He was and is Christ, the Lord, Jesus, God. But at this time He was also man. Someone has emphasized it this way, and, and I think there's a great deal of truth in it. Particularly when you look at this prayer that Jesus prayed there, and, and He prayed that if it be possible that the cup would pass... As any human being, you, know, you, you would have a, a, a terrible 
dread uh, of, of such a terrible uh, situation uh, as the, the scourgings and the beatings and eventual crucifixion. And Jesus being God and man, uh, he felt that way. But when you get on down to verse 42, he said, But if that's not possible, thy will be done. Above all else, Jesus Christ wanted to be pleasing to God. And he was willing to overcome his fears and his concerns and the agony to do exactly that. Someone has said that that he wanted uh, to live, but he also wanted to die. He didn't want to live, and he didn't want to die. And I think all of those are true. He wanted to live. He really didn't want to die, but he really did want to die if that was the will of God. You remember the Apostle Paul from a little different angle uh, in his letter to the Philippians said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he went on to explain that as far as he was concerned, he felt it would be better for him to go ahead and die. Uh, he, he was getting closer to heaven. But as far as the Philippians were concerned, it, it was better for them if, if he continued to teach, if he continued to preach and to encourage and set a good example before them. Well, we find that, that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he poured his heart out before God the Father, uh, he was, as we in the country would say, he was between a rock and a hard place. He fully intended to do the will of God. And yet, that meant uh, the shame, the the reproach, the the ridicule, the abuse, the the crown of thorns being spit on, being slapped, being beaten by the Jews, then scourged by, by the Romans. All of those terrible things which eventually ended up with the crucifixion on that uh, terrible Roman cross. So Jesus truly wanted to live, but he also wanted to die. As we think about our particular topic tonight, and we begin to to look at Jesus as a a better sacrifice, we think about the, the law of Moses, and we realize that the law of Moses consisted of many regulations and sacrifices. But it also involved from the beginning to the end the emphasis on pointing, looking forward to a better sacrifice. And of course that better sacrifice was the Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. We find that under the old law, uh, sacrifices were very uh, common. And we look in chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, and the emphasis there seems to be particularly on the Day of Atonement. Now you can go back to, to Leviticus chapter 16, Leviticus chapter 23, uh, other places to look particularly and, and do some background reading on this particular Day of, of Atonement. But it was a, a, a yearly uh, sacrifice. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and in verse 19, uh, Elkanah, who you remember was the father of Samuel, and uh, 
the Bible talks about Elkanah going to this yearly sacrifice. It was the day of atonement, and they would make the trip to Jerusalem. And in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, about verse 19 and following, it, it speaks of Samuel's mother, Hannah. And it says that each year uh, she made him a, a little robe and took to him. Well, that doesn't make sense unless you back up and you remember that she promised to dedicate this boy to the service of God. So when he was old enough to be weaned, she had taken him to Jerusalem and basically turned him over to be raised by the priest uh, Eli. So that's where he was. And so she would visit him at least once a year. And when she would visit, she would make him a a, a little robe uh, to wear. Kids grow so fast. I had a funny thought about that. I thought, what if it fit? <laughs> uh, I know how my kids grew sometimes in a year's time. But, but maybe she saw him more often than that. Really, the scripture doesn't say but our point is, is that she would do that on the Day of Atonement. She would do that at this yearly sacrifice. Then over in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 6, David, uh, in a discussion uh, with a friend, talks about this yearly sacrifice, this Day of uh, Atonement. So we find that there uh, were yearly remembrances uh, of uh, their, their sins. But as a result of the fact that it was remembered each year, it emphasizes the fact that they retained their guilt. The sins were, were not forgiven. Their sins were not taken away. And so year after year, they looked back. In Hebrews chapter 10, particularly in verse 2, it talks about the fact that this Day of Atonement, and it seems that what the writer, if we paraphrase a little bit here, what he's trying to say is that there was a deficiency in those sacrifices. And, and throughout particular chapter 10, uh, he's going to emphasize that fact, that the sacrifices, the, the blood, particularly of bulls and goats, did not have the ability to take away anybody's sin. And thus, as a result, they continued to offer these sacrifices uh, and yet not receiving the result that they really needed. In Leviticus chapter 16, in talking about this particular day, this was the day wherein two goats were selected. One to be offered as a sacrifice and the other to be taken out into the wilderness and turned loose. It was referred to as the scapegoat. And supposedly the sins were placed, as it were, symbolically on this goat. And that goat was sent away, taken by a selected person out of the wilderness and turned loose. What is interesting about that is that they did that each year on the Day of Atonement. So the very fact that it had to be done again and again according to the command of God lets us know that that sacrifice was not a sacrifice that gave them remission or freedom from their sins. It did not remove the guilt that they were under because of their sin, or else it would not have had to have been done over and over again. In fact, 
when you think about the sacrifices that they offered, uh, they had some sacrifices that were daily. There were other sacrifices that were weekly, some were monthly, and some were, were seasonal. When you realize that these were done throughout the year, and if they committed a, a wrong or, or they became unclean, whether spiritually or physically, there were certain sacrifices, certain things that they were to do. But they did that throughout the year. So when the Day of Atonement actually came, it actually was remembering all of those sins that had already been sacrificed for. Again, a clear indication that even though this was pleasing to God, He had commanded them to offer these sacrifices. If they wanted to be faithful, they would honor God and they followed these rituals and they offered their sacrifices. And yet at the same time, it was all looking forward to a better sacrifice. Looking forward to the time when Jesus actually uh, came. You no doubt have heard someone describe it as the fact that, that the blood of Christ flowed backwards all the way to Adam and Eve. And it will continue to flow forward to the, to the end of time, covering all of those that will turn to God and will submit to His uh, divine uh, will. So, the, the Day of Atonement was really a day of reminder rather than for uh, the remission of uh, sins. The blood of, of bulls and goats, and that was particularly what was offered on, on the Day of Atonement. There were other sacrifices that were offered at particular times, but on this particular day, especially the, the blood of, of bulls or goats, and maybe only the blood of the bulls and goats, so we know that he's talking in Hebrews 10 about the Day of Atonement, but it could not free them from the guilt of their sin. It could not offer purity of the soul to any of them. Someone has said it's a little bit like a medicine. Uh, I, from just looking at us, uh, most of us are a day or two old at least, uh, and I, I suspect almost everybody in here takes medicine. And uh, you don't get a show of hands. Uh, probably most of us take medicine every day. But probably also all of us have taken medicine at one time or the other. And, and you took it four, five, seven days. You were better. You, you were cured. Uh, but high blood pressure, so forth, so on. Uh, you, you, you'll take that for the rest of your life, most likely. You, you're never going to be cured. It will keep you, hopefully, from having more serious problems. Well, someone has used that illustration to talk about this. You see, they needed to offer their sacrifices. That was pleasing to God. And if they were faithful in that, the eventual cure was coming when Jesus came and gave His life upon the cross. But, much like a medicine that has to be taken day after day after day, maybe as long as we live. Uh, that kind of fits this idea of these sacrifices that were being offered. Now Christ coming into the world made arrangements for this better uh, sacrifice. We find that, that Christ offered uh, one sacrifice forever, Hebrews chapter 10, 
and verse 12. There's never been anyone better. There's never been anything better uh, since. It was forever. It was once for all, maybe your translation says, which shows the contrast between the offerings made under the old law and those that were made by uh, Jesus Christ. He offered one sacrifice for sin, and he did it once. He couldn't really repeat it. It didn't need to be repeated because it was sufficient. So this idea of a better sacrifice was a a one-time deal. Uh, A sacrifice that was so valuable and so uh, able to to remove the sins of of all peoples, uh, of all ages and all times. One time offered by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for all peoples that would turn to Him. So we see the fact that it truly was a better sacrifice than the sacrifices that they would offer each and every day. Jesus Christ is the better sacrifice, and as we noted in our introduction, uh, He is the only sacrifice for our salvation. He came to give us an abundant life now and eternal life uh, later. Truly, Jesus is the one and only unique Son of God. John chapter 3 uh, and in verse 16. He was the Lamb that was slain uh, for our sins. Uh, sins that He never committed, but sins in our lives that would condemn us forever. If Jesus had not come and given us this opportunity to be forgiven. So Jesus truly is the better sacrifice. But now I want us to think again in a little more detail about the benefits of this, this better uh, sacrifice. By the will of God, we find that we have been made holy or we've been sanctified or, or set aside, depending on which translation of the Scriptures you may be looking at, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. So when we think about the benefits of this better sacrifice, it allows us to be sanctified, allows us to be holy, allows us to be set aside for the service of God. The the sacrifice allows us to assemble here tonight as Christians, as servants of God. Or if you are not a Christian tonight, it offers you an opportunity to be sanctified, to be set aside in the service of God. The Bible makes it very plain that all of us are servants of someone or something. And the Bible warns us against serving the world. The Bible warns us against serving pleasure. The Bible warns us against serving money. We all, our attention, our time, our efforts, they're going to go somewhere. And we may use those things selfishly, We may use them on worldly things, or we may direct our time, our talents, our money, our energies toward God. If we accept this better sacrifice through the obedience of the gospel message, then we will be sanctified. We will be set apart. We will be made holy in that sense so that we truly can live the Christian life as children of God, as servants of God. 
And it's only the blood of Christ that could accomplish that. The Old Covenant did not have a means of accomplishing the forgiveness of our sins. The, the demand of a holy God was that a price be paid uh, for the, the sins of all mankind. There was only one that was qualified. The, the sinless Son of God. The fact that He was and is God. The fact that He was completely innocent, uh, sinless. He is the only one that was qualified to truly take away the, the sins of mankind. It, it would be impossible for, for any human being, for any of us, uh, to pay the price. Even if we were to be crucified on a cross. It still would not pay for our sins. It took Christ, the Son of God. So his mission was a mission to, to rescue, a mission to redeem, uh, a mission to, to ransom us uh, from uh, our sins. And as we just noted, he was the only one that was qualified. God had appointed him to this. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 where the prophet even talks about the birth of Christ. He, he was to come and to be born of the Virgin Mary. You know, this, this was his mission. Uh, he was appointed by God. And in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, we find that he's been highly exalted by God as Lord when he came and, and lived and eventually died on the cross. So he's qualified because of his appointment. He's also qualified, again, because he is clean and sinless. In Isaiah 53, the prophet talks about the kind of life that he would live and that he would be above reproach, uh, that he would be completely sinless. And in 1 Peter 2, and verse 22, Peter talks about that uh, as well, telling us that he committed no sin. So he was qualified because he never committed to sin. And thirdly, he was qualified because he was willing to submit himself humbly. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, it talks about the fact that, that, that he humbled himself uh, to come uh, and to become uh, obedient, uh, as it were. Uh, he was made perfect because uh, of the uh, obedience and the sufferings and the things that he endured. So Jesus truly was the only one that was qualified. Uh, he, he was wounded for us. He was wounded for, for you uh, and me. Uh, and his sacrifice was not only for each of us, but for all the peoples of all time. Someone has emphasized it this way. He, he left heaven for me so that I could go there. John chapter 6 and verse 51, He came from heaven to this earth to live humbly as a man. He lived for me that I might live in Christ. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. He died for me that I might live. It's interesting that He lived so that I might live, but He also died so that I might live spiritually. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. And he was raised from the dead for me so that I might not 
remain in the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 20 uh, and following. So when we think about the the benefits uh, of this better sacrifice, we truly see that uh, everything that we can be uh, in Christ, in the church, in the kingdom, is made possible because of the sacrifice that, that Jesus offered for us. But now, thirdly, you know, how, how do we receive these benefits? Well, we find that they must be appropriated to us. In order for us to truly benefit for uh, in this life, uh, as a result of the sacrifice that, that Jesus made, we must be willing to comply to the will of God. That is true in many areas of life. There are certain advantages, there are certain gifts, there are certain benefits, but they are only available if we comply to what the giver sets forth. Well, in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, he asks a question. He says, Know ye not uh, that uh, to him to whom... Servants, you yield his servant you are, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Well, he prefaces that by saying that they had obeyed a form of doctrine. And this obedience to that form of doctrine freed them from the slavery of sin. And now they were freed to become the servants of God. We comply to God's will by obeying, as it were, that that form of doctrine. This obedience on our part is vitally important. But we must recognize that it's not a a 50-50 deal. It's not God does His part and I do my part. He does 50%, I I do 50. The truth of the matter is that that Jesus did it all. That old song, uh, Jesus... Paid at all. Uh, a beautiful song, but, but how true that, that song uh, really is. The fact that we are to comply, the fact that we are to obey doesn't earn us anything. It is simply through God's grace and God's mercy that Jesus came and, and lived and died and offers us uh, this opportunity. But in order for us to, to truly benefit, we must obey and we in order to benefit from His marvelous gift, we must be in Christ. And the Bible teaches in Galatians chapter 3 and Romans chapter 6, as well as implied in many other places, that we are baptized into Christ. It is in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, that we have spiritual or heavenly blessings. And the blessing, the ultimate blessing of salvation is found in Christ. How do we get into Christ? Well, we get into Christ by obeying that form of doctrine which involves hearing and believing and repenting of our sins and being baptized into Jesus Christ. The writer goes on in Hebrews chapter 10 on down in verse 26 and basically tells us that we have a choice. And God created us. We always have a choice. Um, You have chosen to be here tonight. Others have chosen not to be here tonight. 
Some maybe did not have the choice because of their health and their, their, their circumstances as far as being here. But we all have a choice in reference to whether or not we will comply to the will of God. But this verse tells us that if we choose to reject this better sacrifice, there will be no other sacrifice. You remember back up in verses 10 and 12, we noted that this was a sacrifice that was given once for for all time, forever. Once for all. It will not be repeated. So you and I have a choice as to whether or not we truly will step up and receive the ultimate benefit of salvation of this better sacrifice. Again, that beautiful song. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. You know, what a, what a beautiful thought and a beautiful song. On the first day of the week, we assemble together and we partake of the Lord's Supper. When you think about that in relationship to the sacrifices, when those folks under the old law came together to offer their sacrifices, they did so basically in remembrance of their sins. When we come together upon the first day of the week as Christians to partake of the Lord's Supper, we do not remember sin, we remember Christ who has taken away our sin. And obviously sin is involved in that thought process. But our emphasis, our concentration is on what Christ has done. I want to close with looking particularly at Isaiah 53. I've already mentioned it a few times in reference to the prophecy uh, that is here. But I have a a reason for emphasizing uh, some of these verses. Uh, I want us to look particularly at verses 4 and 5. And as you glance at this text, it becomes obvious that he's talking about the Christ, he's talking about the Son of God, and he's talking about some of the things that Jesus endured. But I, I want us to, to personalize this as best we can. Beginning reading in verse 4, Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs. Surely he has borne my griefs. And carried our sorrows. And carried my sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken. Smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. But he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The chastisement for my peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. For by his stripes I am healed. One of the things that is a challenge for us, I think, sometimes as as Christians, is to personalize the Bible and to realize that, that God is talking to me. Jesus died for me. And folks, if that won't do it, It won't be done. If that cannot touch your heart, if that can 
not cause us to sit back and to look at ourselves and to evaluate our lives and to realize that we are nothing without Jesus Christ. There really is no purpose in life. There's really no real value in our lives unless our lives are given in service to Jesus Christ. And when you think about these verses and all of the agony, all of the pain, and every drop of blood that he shed, that, that crown of thorns, the, those terrible beatings, the, the verbal abuse, the, the, the things they said about him that were so untrue and so unfair, all of that was done because of my sins. All of that was done because of your sins. Yes, those Jews and others possibly in the crowd that yelled crucify and crucify, Peter said they were guilty. But they were no more guilty than us right here in White Oak tonight. Our sins is what put Jesus on the cross. And if you are not a child of God, you're not taking advantage of an opportunity to return love, an opportunity to show respect, an opportunity to say thank you through your obedience. I would encourage you tonight to carefully consider being baptized into Christ and to begin to live for Him. Not that we can ever repay it. Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe, I owe, and you owe. And yet at the same time, He offers us an opportunity to serve Him and an opportunity to have a home in heaven someday. Truly, Jesus is the better sacrifice for all of us. Let us be standing for our invitation.